Welcome to Creative Entrepreneur Buzz Podcast, hosted by Tony Marchanti and Molly Pompadit. CE Buzz helps creatives sharpen their entrepreneurial mindset so their businesses can launch, grow, and collaborate. Now, let's start the buzz. Hey, folks, welcome to another episode of Creative Entrepreneur.Buzz Podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Tony Marchanti, and I'm here with Molly Pompadit. And we are super, super stoked to have. Mark Johnson on the line with us as one of our early interviews. Mark, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you. And Molly, well, you, want, you, you want to tell the crowd a little bit about who, who this gentleman is? Absolutely. Mark Johnson is someone that I think is an absolute fantastic, a true creative entrepreneur. He is the co-founder of Playing for Change. Mark Johnson is amazing because he's also a Grammy Award-winning producer, engineer, award-winning film director, which I didn't know until recently. So congratulations to, oh, to you, you for that. <laughs> so over the past 15 years, Mark has worked with some of the most renowned producers in the music and film industry. I mean, I looked at all of your names, Paul Simon, Jackson Brown, Keith Richards, Sarah Bareilles, Bono. I mean, just the list goes on and on. And you also, in 2005, earned a Contemporary Blues Album of the Year at the Grammys. For the Kev right. Mo album, Keep It Simple. Congratulations. Thank you. Huge, huge, huge. Well, I mean, your bio goes on and on and on. So we'll definitely make sure that everybody gets a chance to really get to know you on our website. But I really am just curious. We are actually, um, what, was the, what was the inspiration behind playing for change? Like what made you decide you were going to go and check out street performers? Well, I mean, I think it was a, a, a series of events. You know, it was um, originally it, it came out of an idea when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life. Um, just that I didn't want to do something where I was put on a team, you know, where I feel like, OK, you're either uh, black, white, rich, poor, Christian, Muslim, Republican, Democrat. I, I didn't want to be involved in something that had a, an immediate team that I was put on. I wanted to be involved in something that was more human that I think could be more um more inspiring because when you're recording music, you know, one day I would record for Biggie Smalls and the next day I would be there with Paul Simon and then the next day a 70 piece orchestra. And, you know, you notice that maybe they don't all have so much in common outside the studio, but inside the studio, they had so much love for their music and for their art. So I saw that as a through line. And I think that was a big motivating factor for me. And I was on my way to work one day with all of this in my mind. And I saw two monks in a subway station in New York City. One of them was playing a nylon guitar and the other one was, was singing. And I don't know what language. I imagine most people didn't. But on this one day, everybody stops and nobody gets on the train. And it's just this big crowd of people in the subway. And I looked around and I saw an elderly woman with a young girl. And I saw a homeless man next to a businessman. And everybody was making this music their own. And... I don't even think that anybody knew what language they were singing. And then as I got on the train, it just occurred to me that the best music I'd ever heard in my life was on the way to the studio and not in the studio. And then I said, okay, so I could spend my life in the studio, but I'm never going to find those truly human moments like the one I just witnessed. And I also realized that you can harness the energy from those moments to create something that transcends our differences because it connects people back to the one thing we all are, which is human. And I think that it really, music is a great tool to connect people to your human heart and to the things that are stronger than the things that divide us. 
So this became a real inspiration for me to say, now what I'd like to do is take the studio to the people and record them and film them with high quality equipment and learn about them and, and, and kind of understand more about these moments that are happening right there in front of people. It really reminded me that great music and great art, they exist everywhere, you know, and that they're just moments in time. They're not, they don't have to be in a studio or on a fancy stage or they're really just about human connections. And I think that was really the birth of what became Playing for Change. That's amazing. You kind of took my questions out. You talked about energy, but I have to have to focus <laughs> again on, you know, as a I'm, I'm a food guy on the other part of my life. And as I think the same thing with food, it connects people without ever having to speak the same language. Um, I just was curious about what do you feel about the way that music shifts energy? What is it? Is it a vibrational thing in our bodies? Is it universal spirit? Is it um, something? But, you know, you, you kind of touched on a, anything more to say on, on that. Well, I think the word for me is humanity because, you know, it's the one group we're all a part of. I just believe that at one time we were all the same and human beings and then we created our differences and we can also create our connections. Um, and obviously food and music and love, those are all things that, that tap back into that thing where you can't always put your finger on it. It's something to do with our senses. It's something to do with aesthetic, um, who we are as people. But, you know, the, those are the things that really inspire me because they show us that we really don't have any boundaries that can't be broken down and that um, everything is better. You know, the world is better when our differences are a part of it. The things that make us different make us stronger when it comes to music or when it comes to food or when it comes to culture. You know, that's what I think is inspiring is that there's always something new out there that'll help make you, your life even better. Now, Mark, you said that on the way to uh, when you were in the subway on the way to work, that's when you had this vision. That's when you were moved to really um, think about how you can take this idea, this vision of music and bringing people together. We on, on the podcast talk a lot about collaboration and getting support. Did you share that vision with someone or did you kind of work on that vision and, and make it more solid and have clarity around it before you shared it? And how was that like for you once you did start to share that vision? Well, in the beginning, I think I just kind of spun it around in my head for a while and just started thinking, well, how would I do this? Because I would watch documentaries and a lot of times they had really low fidelity, low quality in the recordings outside because they would just use a camera. So I said, well, the first thing I want to do is I want to record with the same equipment I use with Paul Simon in the studio. And I'm going to power it outside. In the beginning, I just used golf cart batteries. So I started to think about ways of bringing a really great studio to the streets, to the villages, to the native reservations or the subways. But the real idea evolved when I moved to California and I met my co-founder of Playing for Change. Her name is Whitney Cronkey, and she's an amazing woman. And, you know, she loved the idea of bringing the studio to the streets. And but she pushed me to say, listen, you got to come up with we got to do something a little bit more than just that. So keep on um, developing the idea. And I would lie awake at night just thinking, you know, what, what is it? And then I realized, well, in the studio, you know, I have all these different people and all these different styles make the same songs. They just play on the track. So maybe I could do the same thing outside where I could record one musician in one location. And then I'll take the same track to another location, put headphones on a musician and add him to the song. And the song that we started with was Stand By Me. Um, so it was the first time we'd ever really been able to push ourselves to make a song around the world where all these musicians would play on the same song, even though they'd never met. 
And I thought that would be an amazing way to take all their different experiences and, co and combine them into something stronger that people could both listen to and see. So I really owe a lot of the idea to Whitney Cronkey. Wow. How long was that process to put that, that epic video together? Well, the, you know, um, from the monks to New York was about a two-year transition. And then when I was out here, I actually was walking again to work, this time not in a subway on a street corner, when I heard Roger Ridley. And I approached him. And I remember saying, you know, with a voice like yours, why are you singing on the street? I mean, he sounded like Otis Redding. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying to me, man, I'm in the joy business. I come out to bring mm -hmm. joy to the people. Wow. And when I saw a man with that much talent in the joy business, you know, I think that that was the real spark for playing for change because that was the energy it needed to carry with it and the talent. And he was so humble. And those were the qualities that were going to make this project work. So from that moment to when I finished, it was stand by me was probably about three years. Oh, my. Any challenges? Because, you know, you have to you have to travel, record, come home, show somebody what you're doing and raise more money, you know. I was going to speak to that. What, what sort of challenges did you face during that three years and how did the energy flow up and down? And was there ever a point that you were like, oh, wow, is this going to come together for the creatives out there? They're always we're always, you know, our energy levels are such key. Can you share some of that? <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, when I first started playing for change, my older brother, Greg Johnson, who was a big inspiration to me, especially with music, um, you know, he had given me a coin and the, he had gotten the coin, I, I believe, was from Tibet. And it had said on one side, um, supreme success through perseverance. And I remember that being the mantra that I, was, that I took from the beginning. Supreme success through perseverance. Because truly, nobody knows more about perseverance than somebody with an artistic idea. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it just literally, you know, hits every part of that concept. Um, you're always getting knocked down. And, you know, if you have an idea, too, that's, you know, that's something that hasn't been done before, then that's even more challenging because now you have to really go demonstrate that this even exists. So when I would say to people, I'm going to make a song around the world, <laughs> like, mm. yeah, right, you know, and I'd go get one person here and then one person there, and then they'd start to see it. And then I would be able to get more and more people to support the project. But every step of the way, it's really about lifting each other up. I mean, we're always going to get knocked down. So I think I just kind of get used to that and just start focusing more on getting back up. That's a great, great answer. Well, Mark, you know, I um, I met you several years ago. And even before that, several years before that, I had stumbled upon Stand By Me, watched it, and I started following you. And lo and behold, two years after I discovered you, my friend Amra, as you, who you know through Voice of America, told me you were coming into town. And one of the questions I remember asking her, which I'm going to ask you in person, is I didn't know if she knew the answer. I don't think she did. Do you actually travel to all of the locations with all these performers or do yeah. you have a team now? No, I've, I've, I've been basically, you know, every one of those locations and I do have a small team. I mean, my producing partner is Enzo Buono. Uh, he was one of the first musicians I'd ever met on the street from Argentina here in Los Angeles and then uh, hired him to come with me. And it's always been a small crew and we've traveled now to over 45 countries recording and filming music outside and the reason is because it's so much more than just about the recording it's really about the showing up and the meeting of people looking them in the eyes and listen to their stories and and try to build something because you can't build it if you're just making a song you can't build it if you're just coming through town quickly 
you really have to try to build something that's that's got some um, sustainability to it, something that can last too. And you're trying to bring hope to people. Um, so you know, it's just as much about showing up as it is about the recording. Now, what do you, what do you say to somebody? Because I, I know this happens a lot. People look from the outside and they think this amazing um, opportunity or or quote unquote job you have. You get to travel the world, you get to hang around music, you get to record, do what you love all the time. This must be the life. Like there has to be no, there there, there must be no challenges for this guy, right? Like he's got everything in the palm of his hands. What do you say to that? Well, I think that everybody's going to realize that life is challenge. I mean, there's no way to live in this world and not be challenged. In fact, that's one of the strongest things we have going for us is that everybody has to overcome something. And I think that by living in a world where that's true, um, we can find our humanity in that connection, you know, and it doesn't matter if you meet a homeless man or a billionaire, they're both going to suffer in life and they're going to have to overcome that. And that's a connection that they can share. So there's never going to be anyone you never, you ever meet that you don't share something with. Not only do you both have a human heart, but you also have to persevere in life. And I think that that is, you know, what makes, uh, what, what makes uh, the world a better place really is that we all share in this. Um, you know, everybody's journey, you know, you're always going to see other people and say, I wish I had that, or I wish I had something more like that. But the truth is everybody's life is full of all these different ups and downs. And a lot of them we actually get to create and others we just have to accept. So, you know, I, I don't think my life is any, you know, I think that everybody just has to go out there and, and do the best with what they can and, uh, you know, and you can manifest your own kind of joy and whatever you consider to be success. Have an idea to create an awesome podcast? Don't go it alone. Do what Molly and I did and learn from the best. For over 200 videos and tons of great audio and coaching, go to creativeentrepreneur.buzz slash paradise and join an amazing community of podcasters. Let me ask a question, Mark. When you, when you, uh, I mean, I think in this country, especially as you just touched on about, you know, the, the different income, a person who's a billionaire, a person who's, you know, average Joe, whatever. What, what did your travels around the world teach you about um, valuing, you know, how other cultures value money, quote unquote, or, or, you know, how, where do we put ourselves in the U.S., you know, in terms of comparing ourselves to places around the world? I mean, our, our are our priorities just out of whack and we have way too much monetary thought on our mind? What did you learn from traveling around the world? Well, I mean, one of the great lessons you learn when you go to Africa or if you go to India or, or Nepal is how come people with so little are, are so happy? So that's the first kind of thing that you got to come across in your mind is that it's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have. Because I saw kids and it brought tears to my eyes of sadness, by the way, not of joy when I saw kids in the Congo living in a village of garbage. And it was the saddest thing in the world. You know, I was so ashamed of myself for living in a world that allowed that to happen. But at the same time, these little kids were so happy and were so beautiful. And every part of them just shined, you know? And it really made me, A, motivated to inspire people to start to care more about each other so that we don't let ourselves live in a world like that. And the other thing it reminded me of is that we have to really focus on each other. You know, that's why we're here. We're not here so we can have more stuff or bigger things or 
moving houses further from people. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're here for each other. And that's one thing you learn when you travel the world is community and relationships with other people are really the strongest gifts that we have. So I think if anything, it just inspired me to want to come back and bring some of those lessons. You know, that's how life used to be. People would travel, they would come back and they would share their experiences with other people to help bring insight and positive contribution. And I think that that's what people need to realize. You, you know, one thing about America is we shut down information so much on the outside world. You, know, you can watch the news and you don't see anything positive about the rest of the world. But there's so many incredible people out there doing incredible things. And so I think that my, my goal is to bring back that kind of that, that joy business and that uh, humanity and positive energy that I've experienced around the world and, and, and give that to other people because that was a gift they gave to me. Epic, epic stuff right there. It is, it's we powerful, yes. That's awesome. So Mark, when was the first, um, the first moment or time or maybe space when you knew that you had created something powerful? Now obviously you knew that the vision was powerful because it moved you, but when you started to notice that it was powerful for others and people actually reacted and then you started to see the Stand By Me videos get these massive amounts of shares and the numbers started to grow, like what was the first thing you thought you had to do? Well, the very first experience I had like that, because sometimes when you're making art or some or any project, you're so inside of it. So I was I remember traveling in South Africa and I was adding all these different I wanted to travel to all the townships in South Africa. I mean, in the beginning, the idea, though, was to add all these different cultures that were very far away from each other. But one through line I knew I was going to be able to use was how people persevere with music. Um, and in South Africa, one of the main themes for music there is forgiveness, because here we have post-apartheid and how do the blacks and the whites live together. And I remember when I put Stand By Me, um, one of these, one guy was watching me record a choir, a Zulu choir. And, you know, I remember I just turned around and put headphones on him and he could see what I was doing with Stand By Me. And he started crying and he took the headphones off and he just kind of gave me a look. And I remember him saying, you know, this is your time. But he gave me a look like he couldn't handle it. You know, it was too much. Wow. And I started thinking to myself, why is that? You know, I was so inside of it that I couldn't imagine somebody would think that it was too much. You know, I, I didn't know what it even was yet. And I remember that really making me step back and realizing the impact that this was going to be able to have on people because it really showed him a world he couldn't truly even believe was true. You know, he couldn't truly accept even that there is a world where we're going to be able to connect and get along and forgive and persevere. And that's what these songs con contain inside of them. I mean, they also have entertainment and smiles and things, but they also have that fundamental human connection. And so as I started to see people react to that, I became more and more proud because that's really what all those musicians were doing every day. They were standing outside somewhere and playing music so that somebody who could walk by them and could use that as a tool to find happiness, to, to overcome problems, and to reconnect to their humanity. So I think that you know, I was really excited to see that this was going to be a tool and a new way of inspiring people through entertainment. Hmm. I can imagine somebody walking by, and I feel like your energy and the energy of these great musicians, you know, I can picture people being worried about what if someone's thinking if they start dancing in the street or whatever, but I hope that that happens <laughs> all the time because... That's awesome. That's what music's all about. It just is such a, um, I think we all could use a good dose of it just to shake off all of our, 
pre-assumed, you know, worry about what someone's going to think of us and just dive into the, the, the vibe of what's going on. Right, exactly. I mean, the best examples of freedom for me are the kids that dance all over yes. the world when they hear music because they have, exactly. they have absolutely no concern about vanity, exactly. you know, and, and, I, and I love that about them so much. And, and obviously I aspire to get back to that. So I agree <laughs> with what you're saying. Yes, because we try to make you dance. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, Nobody wants to see me dance, but you know. It's all, well, it's I, all good in, in your own mind, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm curious to know, though, the, the, I don't know if you can recall a, a moment when one of the performers that you recorded actually saw the finished product, or maybe several. What was their experience like? Because here they are performing on the streets, doing their thing, whether they're in the business of joy or whether they're trying to just make it through life. And you show up and tap them on the shoulder or, you know, give them a smile and say, hey, I want you to come along and be a part of this movement. And then they see the final product of their contribution. What, what is that like for them? Can you, can you talk to us about, you know, kind of share their perspective? Yeah, I'll give you two examples. Uh, one of them is from Grandpa Elliot, oh, Grandpa. who's from the Stand By Me video. He's been performing on the streets in New Orleans for over 60 years. Mm. And he's a blind musician. And when you think about it, what was so amazing about him is he's been everybody's grandpa. So rich, poor, black, white, any color, any age, anytime you need somebody to sing a song for you on the street to cheer you up in New Orleans, he was your guy. You know, and he's everybody's grandpa. So when I recorded grandpa on the song, I don't think he really had any idea what I was going to do because I recorded him early on. (laughs) And then I continued traveling around the world for about two and a half more years. And when I when I actually was able to get grandpa the video, he could barely see out of one eye. He still could see so little out of one eye. So I remember him holding the laptop right up to his eyeball and watching this thing. And at the end, I remember him turning to me and said, boy, on a scale of one to 10, that's about a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember being so proud because, you know, the thing that really, maybe even the only thing that mattered to me was what do these musicians think of this? And then the other story was with Roger Ridley, the very first musician. And, you know, I don't think Roger really had any idea what I was going to do either because he was the very first musician. So he didn't even have to wear headphones or anything. He just played the song. And then when I was able to get the video to Roger, you know, he was so proud when he saw it and he called me with so much joy. But what had happened after that was really a a thing that had changed my life forever, which was that Roger had passed away a few months after I finished Stand By Me and he'd had a heart attack. And I remember he, I'd given him a DVD of Stand By Me and, you know, he, because he didn't really know what it was at the time. He didn't even mention it to his wife. And I remember that she was now a widow and she was mourning him. So she took all his pictures down and didn't want to listen to his music and was just really, you know, trying to to have a place of mourning for a month. And one day she was watching TV and she hit the wrong button on the remote control and the DVD player turned on and all of a sudden Stand By Me started. And, you know, the first 30, 45 seconds of that video is just Roger by himself. So at first, I think she just thinks, oh, this is a great video of of my man singing Stand By Me. And then all of a sudden, it starts to go all over the world. And I remember her calling me on the phone in tears, so proud because 
her husband was going to be remembered for this, you know, and that all those years of him playing for people really finally had some culmination into something that people could see and remember and that all of his ambition to connect the world and to bring joy to people was manifested. And, you know, I just remember that connection with her was one of the deepest experiences of my life because, you know, you start to realize that immortality is the things that we do when we're here and that now Roger will be remembered in part for this. And there is nothing in the world made me more proud. I'm speechless. Yeah. What do we say after that? Sheesh. Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. We love you, Roger. Yeah. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. Can I ask where where do you see this going? I mean, I could. I mean, do you plan on taking this to like movies or books or this m amazing message that you're finding in the middle of all this journey? Um, how do you see it continuing to expand and and spread the message throughout maybe, maybe different mediums? Right. Well, now we we really focused on the next generation. So as we were building this global family, the idea was we got to give back. And that really any movement or any project is only as valuable as what it does give back to the people. So we decided to create the Playing for Change Foundation, Whitney Gronke and I, in 2008. And we decided what we would do is have all these different musicians from the videos who had never met come together and play a benefit concert to build our first music school. And a couple of things happened after that. I mean, one, the magic of all those musicians meeting each other was so incredible because I'd met them all, but they'd never met each other. So when they got on the stage, they had so much love for each other through the videos and through the internet. And then when they got to meet, it just became this explosion. And I just thought, wow, that is so much energy and so much talent. I mean, like the Jimi Hendrix of Zimbabwe on the stage and all these different people together. Um, so it made me realize two things for the next chapter. One is we assembled some of those great musicians and we created the Playing for Change band. They now tour all over the world. And what's amazing about that, the band is it's a tangible example. So you see 10 different countries on the stage creating all these new music and transcending sort of their own careers to build something bigger. Um, so it's a really great way to see the message. And the other thing is that we built and sustain and partner with music programs and art programs all over the world. Since 2009, when we launched, we now have 11 music programs and schools around the world. And now what we do is we work to connect all those kids together so that children in Africa meet kids in America through the music and through the music schools, which is really unbelievable because it's the best tool to get rid of prejudice and stereotypes. And also a great way to learn about the world is through the lens of the music. And so that you don't see West Africa through Ebola virus, you see it through the blues and, and the history of all of our music. And it gives you such a deeper connection to, to all these people far off in, in different countries. And, you know, I think it also goes back to that initial idea of connecting us more as human, you know, more in a humanity sort of context. So we're, our future now is really the Playing for Change Foundation, um, continuing to grow music and art schools, as well as tour the Playing for Change band. And I can imagine just thinking about the children to see the world in their eyes. And then as they're creating their music, they're already united because of your programs. And so the, that's going to also impact the way that they write and, and sing and share their music. So it just becomes this cycle, right? Instead of a bad or vicious one, that's a beautiful 
um, collective consciousness, let's say, of something that we get to create now through these children. So that's pretty extraordinary. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it is the collective conscience. I remember saying this is sort of music for the global conscience. And it really does. It, it, you know, it, it gives these children a way to look at the world in, with pride and with something with, with, with awe and excitement rather than fear. And I think that that's the most important thing that we do is that we share the world in an inspiring way for each kid. So the Playing for Change Foundation is now really having a strong impact. And it also helps people. You know, when you donate to a charity, a lot of times you just kind of pray for the best that it's going to end up out there. But what we're working to do is, is have recitals so that you can watch children play the guitar you help buy. That way it's going to give you a gift you couldn't purchase for yourself. And it really kind of eliminates that myth that giving isn't getting. Because honestly, when you give to somebody else, you get something you can't buy. And that's how we raise each other up. And that's how we change the world for the better. Mm. I want to get back to your band for a second, because one of the questions I had and you um, were able to answer that is how did the actual band for Playing for Change form? So you answered that brilliantly. And I guess the next question would be um, around that is the music. I mean, you released these albums for Playing for Change. You're now on number three, Songs Around the World. Right. How did it feel for not only you, but for the musicians that are part of the band to put these albums out there and get such great response? I mean, we're talking about top 10 Billboard pop charts. Um, you know, <laughs> we're talking about number one or top 10 around the world for world music. I mean, that's just extraordinary, not just professionally for their careers, but that also, I would think, triggers the fact that we as consumers want it desire it and long for it right and you know i think that there are various chapters that everybody goes through in life and certainly in creative chapters um when you make something you also then have to figure out when you're done making it how are you going to share it with the with the world and for me i i was fortunate enough um, when i had finished stand by me it was all part of a film called um peace through music that had debuted at the tribeca film festival and at the end of the festival, it had gotten really good reviews, and it was uh, presented to Norman Lear, um, who's an amazing man. And he became our partner um, back in 2008 and has been our partner still to this day. He is one of my heroes in life. But he also sat me down in the beginning, and he said to me, you know, what can I do to help? And I remember saying to him, just get this to the people and let them decide if they want it and if there's viability for it in the marketplace. Because otherwise, people always just stick to the status quo, you know, how, pop music and things that are fame and fortune-driven. And not always everybody wants to take a chance on building something new. But I had seen people see this. I had seen firsthand how important it was, but also that it was inspiring and entertaining. And so I just wanted to give it people a chance. And the very first thing that he did is he put it on Bill Moyer's journal. He put uh, me actually on Bill Moyer's journal. So I went on to the program and that was the first time we premiered Stand By Me and One Love Around the World. And then shortly after that, they got taken off um, Bill's website and put on YouTube and they just started getting spread around. So I started to see pretty quickly that this was something people wanted we just had to find the right format and the right context to, to give it to them. 
but that this was an art form and an entertainment source and an inspiration source that was going to have a lot of viability in the marketplace. We just had to go out there and find people who, you know, you always have to find people who will help you find a new thing, a new way uh, instead of the status quo, because these were a lot of these people were street musicians and a lot of these, um, the uniqueness of these tracks were that they were filmed and recorded together. So that was perfectly in sync with YouTube, which was this great way of reaching, you know, hundreds of millions of people in all these different countries without any filter, you know, directly from us to the audience. So I think that all of these exciting things started to come up. Uh, and, I, and I know that the musicians were so proud to see the videos on YouTube, but then also to know that people want to buy their music and see them and, and that it was going to continue to affect generation after generation. So I was going to say, it, it sounds like social media has been one of your one of your greatest tools in spreading the word about this. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, seeing statistics recently that there was something like 300 million views in 195 countries. I mean, that's almost the whole world. And, you know, what's interesting about the songs around the world is that they have as strong an impact in four minutes as a lot of feature films do um, in terms of inspiration and motivation and giving people a place in life where they can feel more connected. Um, so I know that, that for us, social media has been an amazing tool because it's really helped us. I mean, I think that in the 90s, if I made something, I'd be lucky if 10 countries had seen it. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, 195, that's an amazing thing. Um, and, and it's perfectly in line with our, with our goal, which was to connect the world through music. Mm -hmm. I had a thought about um, your your status quo comment. How do you personally, as a creative, as um, also a professional, as a business owner, as a chairman and board of director member, how do you stay innovative and keep going? Um, how do you continue to keep it real, fresh, and keep up with the demands of the new generation or, or just how fast things are moving in terms of content and what's out there? Entrepreneurs are always on the go, but even we have downtime while we're driving, working out, or waiting for that next appointment. How about filling that time with some awesome audio content? Audible.com provides that. Get a free audio download and support the show by going to creativeentrepreneur.buzz/audible. Well, back to my great friend Norman Lear. I remember <laughs> asking Norman, you know, I think I asked him this when he turned 90, what was the best decade of your life? And he said, the next one. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, you know, it's really life is really about what's around the next corner. So for me, I never have any trouble being motivated or inspired because I've seen how magical this world is, but also how much we need this. I mean, these aren't it's not all stand by me and enjoy. I mean, we have literally today we have kids starving to death. We have wars. For absolutely the last person who remembered why they were fighting died a long time ago. I remember hearing that quote. I mean, we have so many things that need immediate attention. And so we have to find ways to inspire each other because if we just use fear, it's just a terrible world. So to me, I think my motivation is to get up every day and continue to find ways to inspire each other. One of the great musicians in our project named Kev Mo, he once said to me, you know, the important thing in life is to get up in the morning create inspiration and let it take care of itself because you're not always going to be able to follow where it goes and nor do you have to but at least be a part of something that's generating positive energy in the world because that's something you can believe in amazing, amazing stuff 
I have a question about how the documentary came to be. Yes. So how did it come to be? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the documentary piece through music was um, a way for me to be able to make these songs around the world, but also to personalize the musicians. That's been just as important. I always feel like as soon as a, a, a foreign thing is personalized to you in a positive way, it's no longer foreign. So I always thought like, well, one way to take all these different cultures and and put them together where people stop looking at everything as different and start looking at it more as the same is if we inspire it. And I use a through line like these songs around the world. So in the movie, you actually meet Grandpa Elliot after Hurricane Katrina. Talk about the power of music to help that city persevere. And you meet Native American Indians, the Zuni Indians who have uh, use music to connect to their ancestors and find hope. And you go to South African townships and you see how they're going to use forgiveness to lift each other up. Or I went to Israel and Palestine and recorded musicians on the same songs to show how, you know, music can transcend even those conflicts. And ended up in the Himalayan mountains where I was recording Tibetan refugees. And I remember asking them, you know, um, about you know, what, what role music played for them. And for them, it was, it was uh, enlightenment, you know, to find, use music to, to achieve enlightenment. So every culture has its, has its music and it has its tool for music. And I wanted to show how all of these connect together and how all of these resources are open to all of us because they're all just different parts of, of the same concept. And so that was the film was called Peace Through Music. I would love to live inside your brain, even for five minutes. My mm -hmm. goodness, um, <laughs> but the the idea of playing for change day, right? How did that come about? Like, were you just sitting there thinking, "Oh, it's a beautiful day. Let's make it a playing for change day." <laughs> no, playing for change day was an incredible thing that came about after um, after that YouTube phenomenon, where we started to get a, a huge amount of emails and and responses of people wanting to join the movement, so to speak, wanting to be a part of Playing for Change. But we're still a small group of people, and we didn't really have a lot of resources. So we decided, well, why don't we create one day where everybody in the world can play music or just listen to music, and that that action can change the world. So <clears throat> we created Playing for Change Day. Um, last year, we had 460 concerts in 65 countries on the same exact day all over the world for music education. And the, the great thing about it is that half the money raised goes to the local community and the other half goes to the Playing for Change Foundation music programs around the world. That way you're lifting up people you can see and also connecting with people you may never meet. And to me, that's how you really have music for the global conscience. I mean, we all share this planet, you know? It's not mine or yours, it's ours. And we gotta find ways to remind people but also to encourage them and inspire them. And Playing for Change Day is a day where you can go out there and you can play music on a street corner and somebody else on a far off corner of the world can go to the website and say, I'm gonna sponsor you. I'm gonna pay $5 an hour for every hour you play that day. So it becomes a, a tool where you know people all over the world can connect or you can say, I have a cafe, I'm gonna donate it to a local musician or a local band on Playing for Change Day so they can come in here and raise money. And honestly, it's not even just about the money. It's also about just this action of doing something positive to make a better world. You know, because when we do that, we're going to affect people and impact people in ways we'll never even imagine. You know, what I see all over the world in these schools is that music gives people confidence and it gives them hope. 
And so who cares if they become musicians? Maybe they become the next Nelson Mandela, you know, or, 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 um, or, or, or the next, you know, uh, Martin Luther King. And you just, you just want to give people opportunities. And Playing for Change Day is a day where they can really get, use the spark of doing something together all over the world that's fun, that's entertaining, but that's also going to have a lasting impact on making a better world. Mark, it's, it's obvious by what you say how passionate you are about music and kids, and that's so awesome. I'm the same way about food and kids. Um, what do we do to, to create um, better imagery around, you know, like I hate the whole idea of a starving artist. I hate that phrase. You know, <laughs> monetizing, and I'm looking at your memberships that are at the bottom of your site there. How do we, you know, promote and, and realize that, you know, you're running a business in a certain sense, even though it's all about love and, and good stuff. You know, right. to, to keep it moving forward, you want more memberships, you want to promote that, you know, musicians don't have to be starting artists, that there's ways to monetize everything. What do we do around that kind of feeling and, and how do we get, get get the word out for you, too? Well, that's such a great question. And, you know, so what we've been doing is we created a subscription service on playingforchange.com as a tool where people can come and learn more. So maybe you can go on YouTube and you can see the songs, but if you sign up in the subscription, you can really learn all about the musicians. They can play you more of their music. You can see children playing recitals. We can really personalize the world through music in a much deeper way and more personalized way. So what we're doing is encouraging people to come to playingforchange.com and to sign up. It's an annual subscription and it has a huge impact. You know, a certain percentage of the money, it's not even very much. It goes to... The, the, the money goes to help kids in the schools and to continue to fund musicians to make music. I mean, what we have to remember is a world without music, without art, without food, without entertainment, isn't a place we want to live in. And there's no freedom to fight for if we're not going to be free to have that. So what we have to do is make sure we support that. Everything can't be for free. I mean, I know a lot of the new generation, they like to get their music for free, but then they have to find other ways to support music and art. Um, touring and merchandise and charity work and, you know, doing something that's actually giving these people a chance to create because a world that creates is a world we want to live in. Amen. Well, that comes down to what our podcast is all about is, you know, basically harnessing your creativity, um, showing up and choosing your gifts and your talents and doing something pretty powerful with it. But we also want to remind people that it does take work. It does take commitment and it takes sometimes a team, a staff investment in your business, in yourself um, and the knowledge that you don't have to do everything alone. So can you speak to that as well? Yeah, I mean, again, a great question. And and I think that what you find out is that when you have these a creative idea or you see someone else that does and you want to support it, it's what you guys, it's what you can create together. Um, nothing great is going to be done by one person. So it's about supporting and inspiring and, and helping each other. Um, you know, when you have a dream like this or, or, or your own version of it, you have to invest in it and you have to find other people to invest in it. And you know, you have to go out there and, and see what exists and then what you think new doors, you new possibilities you can create. So what, what I know exists out there in the world is people love music. And I know that they love sincerity of music. Not all music is just for entertainment or just for fluff or about, you know, how people look. It's also about who we are, human experience. And so, you know, what I'm trying to do is find more ways of having integrity and sincerity also live in the marketplace. And maybe it takes a little longer. Maybe I have to try more options, but it also has a much stronger impact on people. 
And it's a fight worth, and a road worth traveling, I think I would say. Not a fight, but a road worth traveling. So for us, you know, you have to go out there and you have to believe in what you're doing. And that belief will feed you. I think the power in all of this too, Mark, is the fact that we do have now the technology to help really amplify the message and being able to use the right tools in a meaningful way to, to spread the word, to spread the love, to spread the passion, and to let people know that they are also worthy and valued and that they can too um, support and change the world in their way, whether it's through uh, being a part of your organization or creating something of their own that's going to create change. But I think technology, social media, and this new desire for community and and this tribal mentality that's really, I think, truly coming um, over the horizon, we want to get back to that. I think the majority of us in the world desire and crave that. I think we all do underneath it all, right, because we're all human. Um, right. But it's really inspiring to see the work that you're doing now. Do you have any... Um, any inspiring, motivating things you want to share with our listeners about their dream? Because most people have amazing dreams and amazing uh, goals that they have set, but they're so afraid to not either have the support or that they're not good enough or what have you. Um, could you share some insights on where you were and how you were able to push through all of this? Well, you know, I think the one lesson I learned as I traveled is that there's really no room for fear and that there you know, we don't even know how long we're going to be in this world. So we don't have any concern for fear. I think that you have to turn that fear into something positive, into something constructive. And, you know, I remember hearing a quote from a John Lennon where he said, a dream we dream alone is only a dream, but a dream we dream together becomes reality. And I think that that's important for people. You have to dream something, but then you also have to find ways to manifest it, to take one step forward and to build it. And, um, you know, that that's why we're here. And, and that's why we're here for each other. So I just would say to everybody who's listening that there's nothing we can't accomplish together. And that every day it's about us getting up and persevering and inspiring each other. And some days you're going to pick somebody else up and other days you're going to need them to pick you up. And that's what life is about. Um, so just never stop believing in that and only good things will come from it. And what would you say to every single musician that's been a part of your project and also all the people behind the scenes helping you? What do you say to them as you look, if you're looking at it from a 30,000 feet, you know, above the earth, looking down, looking at this um, beautiful creation, this movement that you um, and your co-founder have created, what would you like to say to those that have been involved to make this possible for you and for everybody? I would like to say thank you. And I would like to say, I love you. I mean, those are the two things I think about every time I think of all the people who have been a part of the Playing for Change journey. Thank you, and I love you. Amen to that. How do we Sweet. spread the word? How do we spread the word better? Can you uh, just tell us? Well, I, again, you know, connect? we've been, sure, we've been rebuilding the playingforchange.com website. It's all new. It has music from all over the world. And it's really an incredible way for people to go out and see the world through the lens of the music and through the art. And like you mentioned earlier, I mean, instead of um, seeing things in a, in a way where it's, a, you know, the starving artist and, the, you know, oftentimes when you hear about Africa, you see a child with flies in his eyes or, 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 or a child holding a gun. I mean, we're going the other way. This is children smiling. This is children playing guitars. 
this is the world that we that we that we should be proud of and also the world we want to build more of and you know i can't stress enough how much you joy you're going to see in the playingforchange.com website and then we encourage people to sign up for that and to spread the word because when you can pass this on to somebody it can change their day it can change their life it can give them hope and that's um you know a gift that we we want to continue to keep giving each other well, also, Mark, there also is the playingforchange.org website, and there's also um, a call to have people subscribe to your YouTube channel as well. So I think that's <laughs> Thank a... Thank you for that. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, there's countless things you can do to support us, but ideally, come to playingforchange.com, come to playingforchange.org, sign up, uh, and tell your friends about it. I mean, that's the most important thing. And is your um, Playing for Change album number three out already, or when do we expect that out? Yes, it is out. You can also get that. That would be a great way to come to the playingforchange.com website. You can buy it actually um, in, a, in a deal that if you subscribe, you'll also get a deal buying the album. So you're supporting musicians around the world. You're entertaining yourself and changing the world. So I uh, just invite everybody to come do that, playingforchange.com. Awesome stuff. Thank you, Mark, for, uh, for all this awesome energy you're giving. And we really want to keep, you know, supporting creators around the world. And you're doing an amazing work of, of that. Thank you, guys. It's been such an honor to get to speak with you today. And I can't thank you enough, honestly, on behalf of all of the Playing for Change people for giving us this voice. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Well, please let us know when you're back in town in the Washington, D.C. area. We'd love to host you. We'd love to be a part of um, creating a movement where we can share your message here throughout the D.C. area as well. So look Great. forward to seeing you again. And we'll, we'll play acoustic for you guys. Oh, we'd love that. Oh, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> All right, great. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Creative Entrepreneur.Buzz podcast. We want to thank Mark for his amazing energy bringing to us today. and. Go to his website, playingforchange.com and .org. Support the movement, support the love, support the great energy that he's making, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next, next episode. See you next time. CE Buzz helps creatives sharpen their entrepreneurial mindset so their businesses can launch, grow, and collaborate. 